Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Junior. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. I'm Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. This is Gabriel Landeskog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltager. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads. NCAA. Hey, this is Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Turcotte. Hey, it's Kale McCarver. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Ferby from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Broberg of the Team Sweden. It's Ellie Paul Lennon. Hey, it's Nikolai Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Edwards of Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, it's Gordon Bicep from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Derry from the Camelot Blazers. I'm Alexander Holtz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanson. I play for Team USA. Brady Schneider, Caden Dooley. Here's Marco Rossi. I'm from the other sound. And more. Excellent! This is the Pipeline Show. Good weekend, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. If you are a returning listener, then welcome back. If this is maybe your first ever uh, listen of the Pipeline Show, then welcome aboard, and I hope you'll uh, keep coming back for more. If you happen to be one of the uh, patrons at patreon.com slash show, you're probably coughing up a couple of bucks a month, a little less than that if you're uh, doing it annually. But I hope you're enjoying the early access to all the interviews that uh, people hear on a full episode of the Pipeline Show. Patrons get to hear those uh, individual interviews in their entirety, usually about within an hour uh, of the uh, interview actually being done. Some of the interviews that you're hearing today, uh, whether it's uh, right now as I'm speaking with you, it's Friday. You might be hearing this on Sunday, maybe even uh, the following Monday or Tuesday. Uh, But those interviews, uh, a bunch of them were done on Wednesday. So patrons have been able to hear those interviews three, four days uh, before the general public. So if you if that's something that would interest you or if you want to be able to have uh, an opportunity to submit questions for guests, you get a heads up on the the guests that will be coming up on the show, then I uh, suggest checking out the Patreon page and uh, signing up to be a patron yourself. No question of the week. Let's get right to the uh, news and notes before I tell you who's on the Troubled Monk hotline as a guest this week. The WHL Open play last week. The Medicine Hat Tigers and the Edmonton Oil Kings get wins in their two opening games. Medicine Hat dumped Red Deer 5-4 on the Friday and followed that up with a 7-2 victory at home against the Rebels. That game was number 4,000 for broadcaster Bob Ridley. So a belated congratulations to Bob, although everyone in the hockey world was congratulating him uh, on in the days leading up to and of uh, game 4000 we had him on the show to talk about that as well uh, meanwhile the oil kings well they really took it to the lethbridge hurricanes on uh, opening weekend they uh, started at home with a 7-1 victory and followed that up in lethbridge with a 7-2 victory so both medicine hat and edmonton start 2-0 red deer and lethbridge are 0-2 Games this weekend, well, the Calgary Hitmen get into it as uh, they host Red Deer tonight and 
uh, will be in Red Deer tomorrow. The Oil Kings and the Medicine Hat Tigers uh, play this weekend. Lethbridge Hurricanes, who have this weekend off. After this weekend, well, of course, the Eastern Division in the bubble in Regina. So we'll see uh, Brandon and Moose Jaw, as well as Prince Albert, taking on uh, the Regina Pats. That's next Friday. Not this week, but a week from tonight. And then a couple weeks after that, the U.S. Division gets involved, and it's been announced now that the B.C. Division will start play at the end of March. Uh, notably here in Alberta, they're going to shift the schedule in a couple of weeks' time to three games in three days on the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. A short distances between the opponents. You're going to see Lethbridge and Medicine Hat play. You're going to see like Calgary and Lethbridge, Red Deer and Edmonton. And then the following week, to close out the month, it'll be Lethbridge and Medicine Hat. Edmonton and Calgary, uh, so shorter distances, so maybe they're taking that into consideration. I have, I do have a bit of a mixed uh, reaction to it, though, because I know the league had gone to great trouble to try to eliminate three games in three days with the thought that it would help with uh, uh, avoiding player injuries and, and fatigue and things like that. So a bit of a trade-off, and I, I guess I have mixed mixed feelings about that. When it comes to the uh, the stats, and of course we've only had a couple of games, so Let's not get too excited, but the Edmonton Oil Kings obviously dominating the scoring because they scored 14 goals in two games, although Medicine Hat had uh, 12 goals in their two games. Uh, Dylan Gunther, eight points to begin the season. Kate Oliver, his uh, centerman, has seven points, and Jake Neighbors with five points. They're they're all in the top five of uh, dub scoring. Cole Clayton with seven points for Medicine Hat. And Corson Hopwell of the uh, Tigers with four points. Sebastian Kosa with a 150 goals against average through the two games against Lethbridge. Uh, still nothing happening with the Ontario Hockey League. I do have a guest on today uh, who will uh, bring us up to speed on the latest there, so uh, we'll leave that for now, and we'll skip over to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, where now you look at the standings, and it is listed by winning percentage, and that means the Charlottetown Islanders uh, coming into this weekend's play are the number one team. They've played 25 games have only lost four. They have an 840 winning percentage. Valdor, who has played 28 games, but they have a record of 21-3-2-2. They have an 821 uh, winning percentage. Those two teams seem to be the class of the league, though. Shawinigan, Shakutami, Victoriaville, uh, the BB Armada, the Quebec Rampart, Bathurst, they all have winning percentage, strong winning percentages in the 600s, but there is a gap definitely between Charlottetown, Valdor, and then the rest of the field. Leading scorers in the queue, Cedric Desiro with the Islanders and Thomas Casey leading the way. Desiro has 51 points, Casey with 49. Uh, Lucas Cormier, defenseman there, has 32 points. All three of those guys are in the top five. Luke Henman from the Yarmata with 38 points. Sean Element in the mix as well with 35. Colton Ellis has the top uh, goaltender stats with a 189 goals against average and a 922 save percentage. Final weekend of regular season play in the NCAA, as conference playoffs will get going next weekend and the weekend after that. Stats leader hasn't changed for a little while now, although it's gotten a little bit closer. Cole Caulfield still leading the NCAA in scoring with 42 points, but Odin Tufto at Quinnipiac has made some uh, progress to try to reclaim the lead. He has uh, 40 points now. Linus Weisbach of Wisconsin and Dylan Holloway are next with 35 and 33 points, respectively. The point-per-game leader, 
Still David Ference at Boston University, the defenseman. He's got 15 points. He's only played eight games, though. Dylan Holloway is next with the 33 points in 18 games. That's 1.83 points per game. Pretty impressive season for Dylan Holloway. And that it really makes a great argument between Holloway and Caulfield when you come into the Hobie Baker because Caulfield has 42 points. Holloway has 33, so there's a nine-point gap. But Caulfield has played seven more games than Holloway. You can let me know on Twitter who you think deserves the uh, the top billing there uh, as a, a potential Hobie Baker winner. Find me on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. Interesting matchups this weekend in uh, college hockey. The Colgate will take on uh, Quinnipiac. Northeastern and Boston College will meet. Michigan Tech and Minnesota State. North Dakota is hosting Nebraska-Omaha. Final standings uh, are pretty much uh, settled in the NCHC. North Dakota uh, will be the number one seed going into the playoffs. Then you got Michigan and Minnesota. Should be a great matchup. And Arizona State closing things out this weekend against Ohio State. All of those games uh, wrapping up uh, regular seasons. And then uh, the conference playoffs, which we don't know exactly who's playing who just yet. So can't get into that uh, for most of the conferences. All right, let's get to the uh, guest list. And of course, all my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Based out of Red Deer, you can visit them online at troubledmonk.com. And if you place your order, you can get that home delivery absolutely free. If you live between Calgary and St. Albert, and that includes Sherwood Park, Edmonton, Red Deer, and all the towns in between, you can get home delivery absolutely free as long as you use promo code PIPELINE. My guest this week, a couple of very high-profile players for the 2021 NHL Draft. We'll start with Cole Sillinger, who is playing right now in the USHL with the Sioux Falls Stampede and having a a terrific adjustment from the Western Hockey League to the USHL. That's definitely something we talk about uh, as uh, he joins me from his new team. And we'll follow that segment up with uh, Carson Lambos of the Winnipeg Ice now inside the bubble in Regina as they get set to uh, play lots of downtime. So I was able to connect with Carson Lambos. Both of those guys, WHL players who had to go somewhere else to find places to play. Uh, Thanks to COVID, Lambos went to Finland. He's back now, obviously, and getting ready to play. Cylinder had to go to the USHL. Can't return uh, until the Sioux Falls Stampede are done for the year. But that's uh, something we talk about with both players. From there, we will get the update from the Ontario Hockey League, and Mike Farwell is the uh, voice of the Kitchener Rangers. Lots of discussion about uh, what's happening or not happening and why uh, nothing has happened yet in the OHL when pretty much every other league has at least started. uh, A lot of them had to stop and take breaks. Most of them have come back, but not the OHL. And so we'll uh, pick Mike's brain on that. And we will close out this week's episode with Brandon Uencheshen. He is the voice of the Spruce Grove Saints out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League. That league on its way back after uh, shutting down in the middle of November. It's been four months, but they are coming back as well. So we'll get an update uh, on the AJHL. Before I go, I'm going to remind you about Pro Stock Hockey. It's your online source for authentic pro stock hockey equipment, whether it's sticks, gloves, and all the rest. You can follow them on Twitter, at Pro Stock Hockey. They're always updating their inventory uh, on their uh, Twitter account. They've got new player gloves from the Calgary Flames, 
made by Bauer, CCM, Warrior, and more. Also, new gloves in stock from uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. You can get the, the white and gold pair. Always a big inventory of uh, other equipment, including sticks as well. So check them out at ProStockHockey.com. Let's kick off the show, and we will do so by turning on the 2021 Draft Spotlight and keeping it on for a couple of segments. Cole Sillinger, the Medicine Hat Tigers, and now the Sioux Falls Stampede. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show. Downtown Redis steals the puck. He's down the right side. Puck's following him around tonight. Ennis is in over the blue line. He gets away from Ace and walks in. Down Redis backhand shot. And Sandra makes the save. Another shot. He scores! Tom Redis is fifth here tonight. Oh, what a tricky one-mile one was. Hi, this is Tyler Ennis of the Medicine Hat Tigers, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Well, it's midnight, damn right, we're wound up too tight. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. We're back on The Pipeline Show, and we are going to turn on the 2021 Draft Spotlight to kick things off this week for the episode. And for this segment, we're going to head south of the border to the United States, specifically to Sioux Falls of the USHL, where my next guest is playing this season after spending last year in the Western Hockey League with the Medicine Hat Tigers. Uh, we'll get to what happens next year for him. But right now, he's a member of the Stampede. Cole Stillinger, welcome to the program. Cole, how are you? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing well, thank you, and I appreciate you making the time. Uh, tell me about this season and, and where things are at for uh, for you and the uh, the Stampede in the USHL. Uh, on paper, looks like things are going pretty well for you down there. Yeah, it's been, it's been nice to get back to the routine of, of starting to play hockey again. And uh, I've been down here for two months now, and, and yeah, yeah, like you said, things are going good. I'm, I'm really feeling comfortable uh, on the ice, and uh, as a team, we're doing real well. Um, we got about two months left of hockey, and uh, we're on a looking for our playoff hunt. So um, that's that's our goal right now. For yourself, 14 goals, 25 points total in just 15 games. I don't know what your expectations were going into uh, this this campaign here with uh, Sioux Falls, but uh, I'm, I'm guessing you're exceeding maybe your expectations. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a different year to, to have goals or expectations or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, obviously, coming down here, I didn't really know um, the league or, or anything or 
really just kind of a new player looking for for somewhere to play and uh i was just kind of just focused on you know, my development and, and what i can do to help the team and uh i hope i'm doing that i wonder how how well how long it took before you felt comfortable and like you belong there or or do you, do you still almost feel like a bit of a mercenary you know you, uh, you have stick will travel kind of guy you just get brought in and suddenly you're you know the most prolific scorer on the team um do you, do you feel like you belong there or do you still feel a bit like an outsider no yeah i feel like i belong here 100 percent um the guys have welcomed welcomed not only myself but uh luke toporowski also came from western hockey league he's down here yeah uh welcome both of us with, with open arms and have been great to us you know ever since we got here so yeah fit in real well and then the guys are awesome well you're both crushing it you and luke both uh and i guess that leads to the next question how big of a difference is there between the whl and the ushl because when both of you guys are far and away the you know the having the success that you're having some people would say there's clearly a difference between the two leagues but you're playing there uh so you tell me what's the difference yeah i think uh you know obviously they're they're both really high in leagues with uh, a lot of NHL draft picks come out of them each year, and a lot of players ultimately move on and, and have long careers in the National Hockey League from both leagues. Um, I, I believe that they're two very different leagues in the sense that uh, the Western Hockey League is, is in my opinion, uh, more kind of structured. Um, there's more flow in the game, uh, and there's a little bit more execution, whereas in uh, the USHL, um, it's a really gritty league, really hard league to play in, uh, tough league to produce in, and uh, just they're just overall two different leagues and two different uh, playing styles of hockey. Obviously, they both work though, as you mentioned. Uh, both leagues are producing players for the next level and and onto the NHL. So, uh, no question about that. Uh, what have you learned in, in your your time there? How have you sort of evolved here over the last few, uh, I guess, a few weeks, couple of months? Yeah, yeah. I've- I feel like I've developed uh, a ton ever since being down here. Um, no, like I mentioned earlier, there are two different leagues and, yeah. uh, it's just kind of nice to, to kind of get both perspectives and, and be able to play both styles of hockey. Uh, cause you never know. No, I don't really know right now what the HL or NHL style of hockey is like cause I haven't played it, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just, it's just nice mm-hmm. to have that. Uh, and like all experience of playing the Western Hockey League and then another, you know, full year coming down here. I'm just kind of being able to adapt and, uh, yeah, it's been good so far. Was it an easy decision to, to leave Medicine Hat to come down there? You, uh, I mean, at the time you did, we didn't know if the dub would return or not this year. So I, I'm guessing it was just, I got to find a place to play somewhere. And now that the WHL is, has returned and the Tigers are back on the ice, uh, how do you feel about uh, the choice you made? Yeah, obviously it w- was not an easy decision. Um, but, uh, it, it was kind of a process. So I came down here actually in October to Sioux Falls. Right. And originally the plan was to, uh, come down here for the first half. And I think at the time the Western Hawk League had January 8th as their start date. And, uh, I was supposed to come down here from October to December, get a couple months of hockey in and then, uh, go back and, and join Medicine Hat when, when the season started up. And, uh, there was a little bit of a transfer issue where I couldn't get my transfer to, to be down here. So I had to, to leave and go back to Canada. And, uh, you know, right when we got around that January 8th or 6th time, <laughs> West Hockley was in a, in a solid position to start. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in my off season, I, I feel like I um, did kind of the, as many things as I could 
um, for myself and, and you know, game, you know, improving as a player. And um, I just decided that uh, I, I wanted to play hockey. I wanted to kind of showcase what I've been doing in my off season. And ultimately for my development, I need to, I'm a young kid. I need to need to be playing a lot of games and, and practicing. And um, the the Western Hockey, I didn't like. We really didn't know what the Western Hockey League's plans were. Mm-hmm. But uh, making a safe decision coming down to to the states with guaranteed games um, made it so kind of made my decision kind of more bold. And uh, I had all the support in the world from the Medicine Hat Tigers organization and really specifically. And I can't thank them enough for all the support they've been giving me. Begs the question: What happens next year? Uh, my understanding is that you could return at the end of the the season this year uh, once Sioux Falls is done and through the playoffs, and who knows you you win the uh, the Clark Cup. But after that, you could return to Medicine Hat and play out the rest of the season there. But next season uh, is the plan to to come back to the Dub? Yeah. The so the ruling was this year that I had to commit for the full year. Yeah. And that was the the kind of issue when I was in October. I wasn't ready to commit to the Stampede for the full year based on the Western Hockey League's plan. So in January, I committed here for the full year. And yes, you're correct. When uh, when the season's done here, I can go back and we'll go back to Medicine Hat and um, play as many games. Or I think it's six games. So play play six games, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the plan next year is to, to return with the Tigers and uh, be, a, be a Tiger again. If you're not in the NHL, and I guess we can uh, shift gears uh, towards that direction here in a second. Uh, Cole Sillinger is my guest. He's playing for the Sioux Falls Stampede in the USHL uh, this season. Uh, what we like to do in this part of the show, Cole, is let the audience get to know somebody that's draft eligible like you are. There'll be a lot of casual NHL fans and not junior hockey fans at all who will want to listen to this segment because you're a, a high-profile guy for the draft. So for the benefit of those people and uh, people who don't necessarily watch the USHL or the dub, let's get a bit of background. Uh, where are you from? I'm from uh, Regina, Saskatchewan, but I was, I was born in Columbus, Ohio. And, uh, yeah, my dad my dad played hockey, and uh, I spent my whole life in Regina, basically. Uh, that would be Mike Sillinger, your father, who a lot of people would recognize the name of for sure. Uh, have you always been a forward, or did you try other positions uh, as a kid growing up? <laughs> no, I I've always been a forward when I was like really, really young. I I had honestly had some intentions that I wanted to be a goalie yeah. probably when I was like eight years old. But so thankfully my dad didn't let me be a goalie, and I've been a forward ever since. <laughs> well, you say thankfully. Why? Why is that? <laughs> because I would not want to sit in front of some of the shots these guys had. There's no way. <laughs> when you were a kid, like at eight or nine years old, did you get to take a turn in net? You know, when you're playing the a novice yeah. or something like that how'd that go yeah <laughs> well when you're in i guess what i think it was like score or initiation they call it there's yeah. no set goalie so guys would rotate goalie and i'd want to be goalie all the time right and did you have have success <laughs> probably i was probably a pretty good goalie i was always flexible when i was young but yeah. don't remember too much about it but yeah i'm just thankful that i i moved forward well, that's good. Seems to be working out for you. Um, take me back to the uh, the Bantam draft, and uh, I know you were a highly touted guy at that age, and you didn't have to wait all that long to hear your name being called uh, by the, the the Medicine Hat Tigers, but eleventh uh, overall for those who don't know. Uh, what was draft day like for you? Were you one of those guys who was at school and and following along with how it was unfolding, or did you get to stay home? I know there were some guys who were off in Philly uh, at a tournament. Uh, what yeah. were you doing? I was one of those guys off in Philly, actually, and 
<laughs> yeah, we we had a game around noon or one o'clock, and the draft was was in the morning there. And you no, know, we had like got like we had like Gunther, Lambos, Allen, yeah. um, and those guys were were one, two, three in the draft. So um, it was just kind of exciting to see everyone get their name called uh, on that day. But yeah, it was you no know, right before uh, we were going on the ice, I was selected, and then you no know, after after the game was done, my phone was blowing up. So that was a special day for sure. Uh, and then I know you, obviously your 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 dad's a pretty well connected guy in in Western Canada and and. Uh, uh, played in uh, Regina, where uh, you spent a lot of time as well. But to kind of follow in his footsteps in the WHL, is there? That's got to make you feel good. There's got to be some family pride that goes along with that. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, yeah, obviously you had, had a great career with the Pats there, and uh, went on to play in the National Hockey League. And you know, kind of what what he did is, is done. And now I think it's you know, it's my turn to to try to create my own path. Is there pressure though? Does that name bar carry a little weight to it? That well, okay, your dad was an NHLer. What do you got, kid? <laughs> uh, maybe a little, but I think it's more so, you know, not not pressure. I think just just for myself, just you know, the drive in myself to and, and the compete and, and just like my overall you no know, personality, just just me wanting to to ultimately reach that goal of playing the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but, but to your question, there's there's no really. No really pressure. Um, no, like I mentioned earlier, what, what he's done was awesome. But no, it's time for not only for myself, but for my brothers and I to, you know, try to create that path just like he did. I should get a self scouting report off you, and I mean anybody can look at a stat line and see last year 53 points in 48 games as a rookie in the WHL. That's obviously really good, and the numbers you're putting up in Sioux Falls this year, pretty tremendous as well. But maybe stats don't tell the whole story. So how do you describe yourself as a player? I, uh, yeah, um, I'm a, a good 200 foot center, uh, who is tough to play against. Um, someone who has really high hockey IQ and, uh, likes to shoot the puck. Someone who has a, a good release and, and uses all, all of the offensive zone to, to score goals. And, uh, someone who's gritty and plays with an edge and competes. Has the draft been on your mind a lot, uh, over the last, you know, 11 months? Certainly when there was so much uncertainty. Uh, with what was going to happen with this season, um, were you worried about how that would affect things for you? Uh, no, honestly, not too much. Um, I was kind of more focused on what I could do in the present moment. Right. Um, that ultimately, you no, know, make that you no know, draft day more kind of a success for myself. So yeah, to your question, I haven't been been really thinking about it too much. You know, even coming down here now that I'm playing. Uh, obviously, it's a, it's a little bit more on my mind, but you no, know, I'm still kind of more focused on what I can do uh, on a day-to-day basis um, that I'll improve my game. Are you a guy who looks at rankings? I know some guys will because they use it as a motivator, and some guys won't because they might think it's a distraction. What about you? Uh, yeah, no, not not too much. Um, honestly, I'm not not really a big social media guy. I don't use social media that often, so uh, no, I I don't. I try not to look at them as much as I can. But you know, like Sportsnet or TSN, every Central Scouting, everybody considers you a projected guy, a guy who's projected to go in the first round. You don't try to to think about that. Uh, maybe a little bit. Um, obviously, anyone's any any hockey kid's dream is to to be selected and selected as high as they can. So no, no one dreams of going. No, even like second round or even like 20th overall, everyone wants to be the first overall pick when they're younger. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 
I don't don't try not to think about it too much. Try just to to play my game and just play hockey, and uh, that'll all take care of itself. To some extent, there's no question, there's no debate. If you're going to be drafted, you know you're going to be selected. So does it matter really where you're going to be a first round pick? But does it matter if you're top ten or you know in the middle, in the teens, or in the late first round? Is it just about pride or kind of at that point? I mean, there's no pressure if you're going to be selected. It's just when. Um, yeah, I think, uh, my main focus is not where, not the number I'm drafted at or, or anything like that or the round. Um, it's, it's kind of more so you know, after, after that day happens, um, just to, you know, prove to the team that I, I can play in the National Hockey League and, um, just do anything I can to, to get there as quick as I can and, uh, to just, you know, start my career in the NHL. Uh, I don't know if you had a favorite team growing up, uh, obviously one that your dad played for, but he played for almost all of them. So <laughs> do you have a favorite NHL team? Yeah, I do. I, I have two, actually. I'm more so of a players guy. I like watching players. Right. But my favorite teams are Edmonton and Toronto. And uh, with with Matthews on, on Toronto, I love watching him and, and obviously McDavid on Edmonton. So those are my two favorite teams. Excellent. Uh, well, Cole, listen, I kept you a while. I appreciate you making the time. Uh, best of luck the rest of the day with Sioux Falls. And selfishly, we hope to see you here in uh, back in Alberta but before too long uh, playing for mm-hmm. the Tigers and, and next year as well. Thanks for doing this. Good luck. Yeah, thank you very much. Take care. That's Cole Sillinger of the Sioux Falls Stampede, which still feels uh, and sounds a little weird to say, but, uh, you know, he's down south because... At the time he left, and that's got to be a tough situation. You're making a tough choice based on the the information you have at the time. And in early January, didn't look like the WHL was going to be coming back at uh, any anytime soon. Uh, so he commits to going, leaving for the season, full intentions of coming back next year. I don't blame him. Uh, but now that the WHL is up and running, he's probably not second guessing himself. I'm sure there is part of him that is uh, missing. Uh, medicine hat as well but um cole sillinger one to watch for the nhl draft ripping it up in the ushl would probably be doing the same here in the whl this season we've we've seen the start dylan gunther's off to uh sillinger also a very very talented uh, draft eligible player out of the whl this season another one is carson lambos he's a defenseman with the winnipeg ice i also spoke with him this week we'll hear that next now near side white Far side, Krebs, wrist shot, scores! Peyton Krebs, a wrist shot from the far side, and gets by Bailey Birkin. Hey, Peyton Krebs from the Kootenai Ice, and this is the Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week sure is a tasty one, but what is it? Bucktooth Belgian White, a light and citrusy flavorful beer. This Belgian White is a perfect patio pint. Try it with a freshly cut orange to brighten up your already sunny day. Player comparable, Patrick Kane knows what season to turn it on and has splashes of brilliance. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk craft beverages worth sharing.
You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. All right, jump up. Let's do this. Leroy It's the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and we'll continue on with the 2021 draft spotlights. We just heard from Cole Sillinger of the, I guess right now, the Sioux Falls Stampede, but also from the Medicine Hat Tigers. We'll stick in the uh, in the WHL area, and uh, Carson Lambos, defenseman with the Winnipeg Ice. Welcome to the program, Carson. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Thank you for having me. A pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. I know it's exciting times on one hand because you're getting ready to uh, kick off the WHL season again, and on the other hand, it might be boring times because you're in isolation right now. So, uh, what is uh, what's a day in the life of Carson Lambos like uh, this week? Yeah, things have been uh, just pretty slow this week in isolation, but it's uh, certainly nice to kind of be back. And I think we're our whole team's looking forward to getting on the ice together. But a day in the life kind of looks like an 8:30 wake up, and then breakfast is brought to our door, and then uh, you know throughout the day we have some team workouts on Zoom, uh, you know team meetings on Zoom, uh, some presentations on Zoom, some homework, uh, video games, and uh, you know just trying to keep myself occupied. Well, that's a good way to go about it. And how long until you guys can start hitting the ice and practicing as a team? I think a couple days. So by March 6th, uh, if all goes according to plan, we can get on the ice. Excellent. This weekend, that'll give you enough time to get set for the start of the uh, the new season, which is uh, scheduled for March 12th. Uh, Carson, I know for you, you, you recently returned from Europe, or, or maybe it's not as recent as I think. When did you actually get back from Finland? Uh, I think about... Two and a half weeks ago to today, so uh, I'm not sure exactly what day that was, but it's been, uh, all I know, it's been a long time in isolation. Uh, yeah, because when you first got back, you would have had to have isolated, and now with the team as well, right? Yeah, yeah, of course, there's the international rules with uh, two weeks, and then uh, even before that two weeks was up, I started the isolation with with the team, so I haven't really been able to uh, see very many people. Wow, so you're an expert now uh, on what to do in, in isolation, that's for sure. Uh, what was Finland like uh, to start off with? I mean, you, you get to come back, and you've been playing for a while, so you might have a step up on everybody else right now. Yeah, Finland was an awesome experience. I was uh, super lucky to, to get there and kind of, you know, not only play hockey in a different part of the world, but live in a different part of the world, so... It was a really cool experience, something I'm really happy that I got to do. Um, it's something I really enjoyed. How did you end up there? I know, obviously, with the uncertainty of the WHL season, it became where can I find a place to play, but why there specifically? Yeah, uh, to be honest, um, I wasn't too familiar with the uh, the city or the team before I got there. It was more of just kind of my agent uh, setting things up, and uh, I trusted his judgment, and I'm glad I uh, ended up where I did. So what was it like? Yeah, it was uh it was awesome. Uh you know, the first, you know, you're getting over the the language barrier and uh you know, it's a it's a big change. Everything's different. You know, you go from you you walk in the rink and you're good buds with everybody and then as next thing you know, you have no idea uh, what's going on ever. So <laughs> it's uh it's a bit of a change, uh, especially for someone like me. I like to be pretty talkative with my teammates and and uh not be a center of attention, but, you know, always involved in what's going on. And, you know, then you go to that and you're, uh, you're just sitting there and you never know what's going on. So it was a big change, but it's a, it's a really good life experience. And, uh, it was a really humbling experience. And I'm glad I got to do it. Well, I'm looking at, uh, Elite Prospects right now, the website, and it says you played two games with the U18 squad, two games in the, uh, in, with the men's team in the Liga. 
as well, and but 13 games with the U20 team. So is is that how it broke down? Where you spent most of your time with the U20 squad, but had the opportunity to play with the other two as well? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty much with the under 20s. I'd say that was my team while I was there. But there was one weekend on the under 20s that our games got canceled because of uh, COVID reasons, and the under 18s were still playing. And I'm still at that age where I'm eligible for that league, so. I was able to just kind of, you know, instead of not playing on the weekend, I played with the under-18s for a couple of games. And then uh, towards the end, I, I joined the pro team and uh, was was taking on my time with them. And, uh, you know, only got a couple of games in before it was time to come home. Was that a big jump up? Yeah, yeah, I'd say, you know, you're going against guys that are uh, much stronger and, and more skilled. Uh, it's a, it's certainly a, a big change, and you have to play play a lot of situations a little bit different. Uh, I'm sure it was thrilling, though, to get to play a couple of pro games uh, while you were over there, at least, and get that experience in. Uh, when did you first go over? Like, I know you played a total of 13, 15, 17 games, but was that over, like, three months or something, or, or how long were you there? Yeah, I was there for about four months. Wow. Actually, the season got the season got paused there for over a month because of COVID, so uh, that, was a, that was a pretty slow month, you know, being there, not playing games, but just kind of the way things are in the world now you never know uh what's going to be one week ahead of you so uh it was over about four months played uh what was it 17 games so uh yeah did you spend the christmas season there or were you able to come back no i i had to spend my christmas there just with uh all the travel restrictions so it was uh yeah, it's certainly an interesting holiday season. Well, that's got to be tough. I mean, it's it's. I mean, you're a young guy and a uh, big trip like that. Did any family go with you? No, no, I went alone. And uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's hard to kind of get around these these travel restrictions and two weeks quarantine uh, everywhere you go. So mm-hmm. I went alone, and I was able to you know build with a very nice family there that. Made me feel warm and welcome, but it was certainly, uh, you know, you could say it was difficult spending Christmas away from home. Yeah, for sure. Well, at least you weren't, you know, in a hotel by yourself or something like that. At least you had some human interaction, even if it was a, a billet family. But uh, Carson Lambos is my guest here on the Pipeline Show. He plays defense for the Winnipeg Ice and uh, draft eligible for the 2021 draft. Everybody expects he's going to be taken uh, early in the first round. Uh, let's shift gears to, uh, well, what we like to do in this part of the show, Carson, is is let my audience kind of get to know somebody who is draft eligible, like you are, and there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans that'll hear this interview. They might find it, you know, before the draft just to kind of freshen up on, on guys who are draft eligible. And, uh, there'll be some of those people, some of those listeners who don't watch junior hockey at all, so might not have any idea uh, who Carson Lambos is. So let's start there. Where are you from? I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Have you always been a defenseman, Carson? Yes. Never tried any other position along the way? No, I think I was a defenseman as as soon as I started, from like five years moving forward. Well, it's obviously something about it must have felt right right away. What was that? Yeah, I'm not too sure. I think my brother was a defense. He's two years older than me, and uh, we were always practicing together and doing everything the same, so maybe that's what uh, influenced it. Well, I was going to mention, Johnny, uh, I have an older brother, and I remember when I was young, I just w- wanted to do whatever my older brother was doing. Was it similar for you, even just getting into hockey and then becoming a defenseman, just following whatever he does? Yeah, it was, and it still is. I think we uh, you know, we always train together in the off-seasons, and you know, not only you know going to the rink, but just playing games in the backyard, and 
everything like that. And even today, we uh, we still train together in the off seasons and uh, spend lots of time with each other. Nice. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, tell me about the the Bantam draft experience for you. Obviously, you were a really highly touted guy going into the draft that year. Didn't have to wait very long to hear your name, second overall pick uh, by the Kootenai Ice. And I've talked to uh, a number of players. Some guys get to stay home from school and uh, follow along the draft that way. Some guys are at school and and, uh, trying to keep track of what's happening. And other guys were in Philadelphia. And I mentioned at the start, I just uh, spoke with Cole Sillinger, and he was out there. And I'm pretty sure he told me you were in Philadelphia as well. No, no, I was actually uh, back in Winnipeg at my high school. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I went to, you know, one of those academy academy schools, so I was with all my teammates on the day of the draft, and I was actually in metalworking class, and the, <laughs> the teacher put up the draft on this, the big the big screen, like projector, and I saw my name get called, and it was a pretty cool feeling, getting around all my buddies, and uh, yeah, it was an awesome day. Nice, and the, the fact that it was... I mean, was it Win- it was Kootenay still at the time? But I did everybody know that they were moving to Winnipeg at that point? I'm trying to remember uh, what the timeline was, but you know, pretty cool to be playing in your hometown now. Yeah, I'm I'm really lucky to be playing in my hometown. Uh, you know, at the time I had no idea that that was going to be the case, but uh, I I really enjoyed playing at home last year, and I hope I can uh, do that sooner than later. What was your first uh, season in the WHL like? A lot of pressure when you're that high of a draft pick that, you know, you're going to come in and have an immediate impact, and that's hard to do when you're, you know, the age that you were. But 32 points in 57 games as a defenseman, sounds like you had a pretty good year. Yeah, yeah, I think I can. I was pretty lucky to be around uh, a lot of people that I was. Um, You know, I was put in a good position by my coaches to to succeed and, uh, you know, surrounding players I had. Reese Harsh playing with me, a veteran defenseman in the Western League, uh, who who's who was 20 at the time, and Dawson Barteau came in for our second half of the year, and mm-hmm. he's an he's an excellent player. So I was very lucky to kind of see see those guys, and all my teammates just made me feel really comfortable in the locker room, which I think uh, really helped out. For those uh, in that are listening right now to this and have never seen you play, how would you describe yourself? Because you know I can l- tell everybody the stats and 32 points. Might not paint the whole picture though, as as you was a a complete package. So, uh, how do you see yourself as a player? Yeah, I'd say I'm a two way defenseman. I take pride in playing hard on defense and uh, trying to shut down the other team's best players and uh, doing whatever I can in my own zone. But I also think I can really attribute to my team's offense as well, uh, jumping up in the play and uh, getting good offensive touches and trying to make plays uh, when I can with the puck. Yeah, that was always part of your game growing up at, at younger ages, was that offensive side. Uh, do you still think there's another level of that uh, that we'll see at the WHL? Yeah, I think so. I think I have something to prove this year with my offensive game. Uh, I have a year under my belt in this league, so I know I'm capable of, uh, of playing with success, and I, uh, I really hope I can take that next step this year. Might be hard to ask, you know, what your expectations are for the team this season because we we have no idea if we're going to see WHL playoffs or anything like that. But you know, on a on a squad that has Peyton Krebs and Connor McClellan, a lot of offensive minded players like that, uh, I know Matthew Savoy's kind of lost for the team until the USHL season is done. But um, you know, what are you looking forward to the most here for the club uh, in this uh, this shortened season? Yeah, I think everyone's looking forward to playing hockey. Uh, for most of us guys, it's, it's, it's been a really long time since everyone, anyone's had a chance to play. And 
I know we have such a tight-knit group here with the ice, so uh, I think it's just going to be lots of fun, and uh, once we get out playing, it, it'll be uh, it'll be awesome. How much time do you spend thinking about the NHL draft, Carson? Yeah, I try not to think about it too much. Um, of course, it's something that's going to cross my mind, and uh, you know, I think about it a little bit, but uh, when it comes to playing and, and getting on the ice and getting ready for games, it's nothing that I really that really crosses my mind until games are over or uh, or things like that. So when I say that people have you ranked as a first-round pick, that I mean, I'm sure that's not news to you, but it's not something that you spend a whole lot of time thinking about? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm aware of those kind of things, but I think uh, at the end of the day, I'm still only 18, and uh, I have a long ways to go before I'm an NHL player. Are there things in your game that you're really trying to focus on this year? Yeah, I think I'm just trying to round my game out. Um, you know, continue with my with my offensive production, but try to make good plays and and just really be a reliable player for my team. Uh, lastly, a couple uh, quick ones. You're a Winnipeg guy. Does that automatically make you a Winnipeg Jets fan, or? Yeah, yeah, I'm a Jets fan. Right when they moved back, I think it was in second grade, and I really enjoy watching them. And I, I watch a lot more NHL hockey now because of them. And I'm still a Jets fan to this day. Okay, are there uh, players in the NHL that uh, that you look at and say not just that you you idolize them or admire the way they play, but that you kind of think I can play that way when I get to that level too? Yeah, I think Jake Muzzin's a player that I draw a lot of similarities with in my game. Uh, he makes good plays with the puck in his D zone, and he's often put in the situation to play against the other team's top lines, but he's always jumping in the play and, and making uh, offense happen. So I think he's kind of a, he's kind of a player that I would see myself playing like at that level. Lastly, uh, getting to practice uh, practice against Peyton Krebs but play with him, um, how has a guy like that helped you become a better player? Yeah, uh, Krebs is an awesome guy to have on our team, and uh, kind of watch the ins and outs every day. Uh, he's just such a hard worker, and his compete level is second to none. So uh, when you can kind of see that in practice and in, and in games, but especially in practices when you're going against him, I think it just kind of raises my level and, and everybody else on the team's level. Carson, listen, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. Uh, best of luck in this uh, this really abnormal season, but I hope it's a successful one for you. Thank you so much. That was Carson Lambos of the Winnipeg Ice. They are in Regina, inside the bubble. Seven teams all in Regina now, as well as everybody uh, around the team. Uh, some of the broadcasters are there, I believe. I think some of them are traveling to and fro. To and fro? To and from? But I could be wrong on that. I haven't touched base with a lot of the guys. I know I, I have spoken with a handful of the uh, the play-by-play guys. In fact, we actually have our own little private chat. The, all the broadcasters are around the WHL. And uh, so every once in a while we send messages uh, just checking in on what's happening inside the bubble. Uh, I want to say thank you to Mac Heisinger with the with the Winnipeg Ice as I've had some trouble with the with that franchise, that organization over the last three or four years trying to get players on the show or coaches. But uh, Mac came through and uh, tracked down Carson for me. They had some uh, Internet issues. The Internet went out the day I was supposed to do that interview. And uh, Carson also locked himself out of his room, he was telling me, and his phone was inside the room, so he couldn't get in touch with me. Uh, so there were some hang-ups, uh, but Mac went the distance and uh, and set that interview up. So I really appreciate that. Carson's going to be a fun one to watch. I've been asked about him when I've uh, appeared on other shows and other podcasts, and I, I say the same thing about him that I said in the past about Peyton Krebs, 
uh, about guys like Sam Reinhardt. Whenever I saw them play here in Edmonton against the Oil Kings, for whatever reason, the Oil Kings would dominate them, and that particular player would just be a, a quiet night. I haven't seen Carson Lambos have that breakout game yet. That doesn't mean he hasn't had them. Obviously, he's highly touted. I just haven't seen him be that difference maker in a game with my own eyes yet. Uh, this year, because uh, I'll, I'll be watching a ton of even more games online, uh, I'll be definitely checking out the Winnipeg Ice to have that experience. I just know in the in the last uh, year, well, last year, when the Ice and the Oil Kings would meet, the Oil Kings were, you know, way better than they were. So uh, never saw Lambos be that difference maker that I'm sure uh, he can be and that others have reported that he is. All right, after a pair of 2021 Draft Spotlight segments, we are going to check in on what's happening or not happening in the Ontario Hockey League. And to do that, I called on Mike Farwell. He is the voice of the Kitchener Rangers. Great guy. You're going to enjoy this interview. And that is next, here on the Pipeline Show. Steal by Ryan Suzuki. Flipped it up center ice. Here's Cole Perfetti. What a chance to win the game. Perfetti, backhand. He scores! Cole Perfetti wins it in overtime on a breakaway. Hey, it's Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand score! Wow, what a goal! Colton Pareko. And Patrick Sharp. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life. We are back on the Pipeline Show, and after a pair of 2021 Draft Spotlight segments, uh, we'll uh, get an update on what, what's uh, happening around the Ontario Hockey League. And, of course, we know that the WHL, well, it's already started back up in Alberta with uh, the U.S. division uh, coming up here in uh, about two weeks. Uh, ne- uh, about ten days from now, the Saskatchewan-Manitoba teams will play, and just announced a couple of days ago, the clubs in British Columbia are about to start as well. So all of the WHL back to business. The Q, the Q has been uh, trying to uh, play for most of the year. The USHL south of the border has been playing. College hockey has been playing. Junior A throughout Canada started and then stopped, and some of it's coming back. What about the OHL? Well, uh, let's ask my next guest, Mike Farwell. Welcome back to the program. Mike, how are things in Kitchener? Hey, Guy, it's so great to be back on the program. It was really nice to hear from you to set this up. And I got no complaints here other than the complete and utter absence of hockey. Uh, life is okay in this part of the world. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear that things are okay, but it, you got to get be getting pretty itchy. Not just you, but think of the owners and the teams and the players, the fans. Everybody's got to be uh, chomping at the bit to get back on the ice in the Ontario Hockey League. Yeah, it's funny. I was saying to my broadcast partner just a few weeks ago, you know, it's early to mid-February, and I said to him, you know, this is the time of the year where the trade deadline's done, the teams that are going to, you know, make their runs have loaded up, and there's really not much drama left. It's kind of jockeying for position, and you're just looking forward to the playoffs. So that would be the time of the year where 
you know, the road trips get longer. And I know I've got nothing to complain about here in the OHL compared to the trips made out there in the dub. But still, you know, that's for our perspective, it's like, okay, just let this be over with and let's get on to the playoffs and et cetera, et cetera. And I said to him, I said, I would give anything for a trip up to Sudbury or Sault Ste. Marie right now, which are some of our longest trips. Yeah. Because I just want to, I want that, that routine back. I want to feel that sense of normalcy, but we're, we're still playing the waiting game in this part of the world. What, what's been the hardest part of the last, geez, it's almost, it's almost 12 months now, Mike, since uh, the CHL was shut down. It feels like it's been 12 months too. It's not one of those things that, man, it just seems like yesterday we played. Uh, it does feel like forever, doesn't it? Yeah, and you know, the funny thing for me is that the onset of the pandemic and the Ontario Hockey League are linked forever because it was March the 11th, 2020, and I was making this short trip. It's like a 20-minute trip between Kitchener and Guelph for a Rangers Storm game in Guelph. And so with the trip that close, I don't hop on the team bus. My broadcast partner and I drive ourselves listening to the radio, and that was the day that the World Health Organization declared that the coronavirus was a global health pandemic. So we're hearing this on the way to the rink, and then we're there to broadcast a game that night, and Greg Morellis, the co-captain of the Kitchener Rangers, has a career-high six points, three goals, three assists. The Rangers come from behind and beat Guelph six to five, and as we were finishing up our post-game show on the road that night is when the NBA said, we're shutting her down temporarily. They, we didn't know at the point how long it would be. But anyway, the NBA announced it's shut down. And then a big, a big, huge event in these here parts. You gotta, you gotta work with me on this one, Guy. But the Elmira Maple Syrup Festival, it's huge deal around here. Okay. And they announced that night while we were signing off our broadcast that they were canceling their upcoming festival wow. like a week and a half away or whatever. And all of a sudden it became real. And we were, of course, still expecting two nights later on Friday the 13th to play another game that never happened. So it all just kind of came crashing down as we signed off from one of our broadcasts, March the 11th last year. You know, listen, the NBA shuts down. That's one thing, but when the Elmira maple syrup festival, that decides we cannot proceed, you know, things got real at that point. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Man. The NBA. Yeah. Whatever. You know, Elmira, Elmira maple syrup festival around these here parts. Forget about it. <laughs> Well, oh, that's okay. I, I don't want to joke at it. It just sounds funny, but uh, you can't listen. I can't make this stuff up. I know. <laughs> so, what what do you think's been the most challenging part in the last twelve months? Uh, maybe from your perspective as a broadcaster. I mean, this you have a passion for junior hockey. Uh, I, I know when I look at it, I'm I feel really bad for some of the players, whether they're the rookies coming into the league or the draft eligible guys, but probably mostly for the overage players. This is their last year, and in the O, they might not even get to play. Yeah, and you know what? I've gone through that same checklist in my mind. The Every time I started feeling sorry for myself, like, oh, man, I should be at the rink. Oh, the season should have started. Oh, I'd give anything for a trip to Sault Ste. Marie, blah, right. blah, blah. I, I think first and foremost about the player. And I've gone through all of those same progressions, right? What about the kids that are in their draft years? What about the overagers that, you know, may have their – junior careers come to an end in such an unexpected and quite frankly awful fashion i I think about the what about the 15 year old kids which bizarrely enough here in ontario are on the ice these are the ohl draft eligible players they're playing meaningful rep hockey right now but they don't know if there's going to be anybody you know holding some sort of priority selection in the ohl to draft them and so 
that was absolutely where my first thoughts went as soon as I started feeling sorry for myself. Because for the players, how many times have you talked to a guy at this level, Guy, and they say, you know, that goes by so fast, but they were some of the best years of my life. And you talk to them after having graduated out yep. of this league or whatever the case may be, right? So it's really first and foremost, just like the leagues, I think, tend to look after these young men like they were their own children. That's that's where my mind goes every time. These these poor kids that uh, are are losing a year of their critical development in hopes of either rising further into the game or maybe just missing the opportunity to play that swan song in, in major junior. Mike Farwell, my guest, the, uh, a long, uh, the long, now the longtime voice of the, uh, the Kitchener Rangers, not quite as long as the uh, previous uh, guy though, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was just, I was just cutting up some of my own uh, podcast work back here and, and the fellow we had on was telling some stories about Don Cameron. I mean, 55 years, nobody's ever going to touch it, nor should they, nobody would want to try. Don is still the voice of the Kitchener Rangers. And I'm just, uh, I'm just here trying to keep the seat warm till the next guy comes along. Yeah. We, we have a fellow like that in the dub. He's up to 50. He just did his 4,000th uh, game uh, on the weekend. That would be Bob Ridley in medicine hat. Uh, but he's still got five years to catch uh, uh, your guy out there, Mr. Cameron. So yeah. we'll see if he can make it. Five years and about 300 games, but that's a great story. And I've heard Bob's story from this side of the world too. And uh, it's just, you know, you talked a moment ago about the passion that we have as people yeah. that are media involved with the game or broadcast the games, but these guys that have done it for this long and, and you know, it's uh, it's absolutely incredible and so admirable and inspirational. For sure. Uh, Mike, how much do you think uh, what's happened or not happened here for the OHL, but for the WHL, were they, were they planned on starting, you know, in November and then that was pushed back to January and then pushed back now until the, the end of February and into March? What happened with the Q, where they started pretty much as they do most seasons and then they had to stop for a, a big break? How much do you think of what happened in the Q influenced, uh, what went on with the OHL and the dub? Uh, yeah, to be honest with you, I think what's influencing the Ontario Hockey League right now more than anything is the dub starting up. But you're right. Everybody was just sitting back, I think, and watching the Cowboys, as I like to call them in the queue, go about their usual business because it's just a, it's almost like a whole different world as you move east of Ontario and look at the way, not only the way the game is played, but the, the teams and the characters that are a part of it. But they they were almost like the guinea pigs in all of this. And I don't think, you know, in retrospect, it's all that surprising that they had to take the stop that they did and, and sort some things out. But now that they seem to be having things figured out and you look at the dub now getting started again, uh, all eyes are on the Ontario Hockey League. And it's it's really curious. And I can tell you just from my perspective, it's it's weird to be sitting here watching these other leagues get something going yeah. and have nothing right now in the Ontario Hockey League. And, and if it's driving me nuts as a as a broadcaster, I can only imagine what it's like for the 20 members of the Board of Governors and, of course, the, the executive with the league. It's It's got to be driving them crazy, too. I was feeling the same way a month ago. You know, with, with the Pipeline show, I'm talking to players and, and people around several leagues in North America, and it's... I had the impression from a lot of WHL people that it was like, well, if they can play, why can't we? You know, whether it was in the USHL or in the Q, wherever it was, most leagues at least had attempted to play. Some were shut down uh, and uh, are trying to come back, but the dub and the OHL, not the case. And now it's just the Ontario Hockey League. 
we're seeing some of the players now getting a little frustrated. And the 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 one petition that was put out by uh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the player's name, Parrot. Yeah, it was Andrew Parrot from Owen Sound. That's Andrew right. Parrot. Like it, it seems to be coming, getting boiling to a head here. Yeah, and you know, it was about two weeks before Andrew Parrot's petition got started that uh, some parents also signed on to an open letter addressed to the Premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, and the Commissioner of the Ontario Hockey League, David Branch, saying, let our kids get back onto the ice. It's important to them for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is their mental health, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, two weeks later, the players are involved in a similar appeal. And I think, like, I, look, there are there there is a whole lot more in the way of rumor over here right now than there is in the way of action. That is obvious because we're seeing very little, if anything, in the way of action. But the the rumor mill continues to grind and and it's getting louder. Like it doesn't take much to pick up a a sniff of something uh, these days. And and what we're dealing with, I think, in all of this key is an Ontario government that's got its hands full, like like other governments do, but just is focusing on other priorities right now. And I don't know where the the Ontario Hockey League stands in that list of priorities, but I'm pretty sure it's rather far down that list. But we we had a a minister of sport a couple of months ago make headlines. I'm sure you would have heard about it out there when Lisa McLeod says, well, if the Ontario Hockey League wants to come back, it's going to have to come back without body checking. So that starts making waves and you're wondering, okay, where would a thought like that even come from? And now there's a lot of conversation around, okay, well, in the Quebec League, the, you know, the, the Quebec government pitched in with some money out West. There's been some money from the provinces here and there. I, I think that's what is the real holdup because I, I can tell you for sure that not all 20 teams in the Ontario Hockey League would be able to say, okay, yeah, let's go ahead with a season without any fans in the stands, which is the prospect we're facing here in Ontario right now. I just don't think they could do it. I know they couldn't do it financially. So there's either a white knight out there in the corporate world, or there is a government bailout of some sort that allows these teams and these players, more importantly, to get onto the ice and play some kind of meaningful game. Because without the money, I don't think there's anything that's going to happen. Yeah, Quebec got a, a large chunk. That the 12 teams in Quebec got a, a chunk of money from the government early on in the year. I know Saskatchewan did as well uh, for not just the WHL teams, but for also for the SJHL teams. Uh, in Alberta, they've created a, a 50-50 draw where the proceeds are getting split up between the AJHL teams and the uh, the WHL teams. Um, so that seems to be more of a... Uh, you know, almost um, if you have an interest in supporting these these teams, take part in the 50-50, whereas if it's just the government handing out, you know, writing checks to the owners, uh, I'm not sure how that would fly in Alberta, but maybe there's something like that that can be done in Ontario. One question I wanted to ask you is you got three teams in, in the States in Ontario. There's five here in the WHL, but they're all going to play in the one state in Washington. They also make up their own division. That's not the case in, in, in the OHL. How do you get around that? Yeah, what I'm what I'm hearing would happen to get around that is the the main talk seems to be around bubbles, and so the American teams would play out of a bubble nearest the border. Now there are two teams in Erie, and well, Flint would probably be closer to the northern side of it. So the the plan would be though that the the three American teams, from what I'm led to believe, would be part of the same bubble. And it would have to be just like if you're planning to get anything underway, 
players coming back from overseas, players coming back from anywhere are going to have to do some sort of quarantine when they get here. So if the league does have any intention of getting going, it's going to have to have at least two weeks lead time to bring in entire teams from the U.S. side because they would absolutely be playing in Ontario. There would be no going back and forth across the border, I can assure you of that. So whether they're playing out of a northern bubble up by the Sioux or a southern Ontario bubble down by uh, St. Catharines, for example, they're going to have to have at least two weeks lead time to get into the country, do the proper quarantining, and then get on with playing games. Right. So they basically relocate into Ontario for this season, however long that season is. Correct, which yeah. becomes another complication, right? Because now you have to find a place to put an entire hockey team for yep. a fairly significant length of time, right? And, you know, hotels don't come cheap, so I don't know what you're going to be doing in order to make that happen. Yeah, and that's what's happening right now in Regina. There's seven WHL teams that are going to bubble it up in Regina for the next two months, and they're basically having uh, places to stay there, like uh, at different colleges or universities, dorms that aren't really being used because – colleges and university everybody's staying home and doing it from online so there might be some availability um, that way i don't know i was just going to say real quick in in the community where i work in kitchener we've got two universities and a college uh right in the city so that's why i think it's a pretty good idea for a bubble here and that's right. what lends me to, leads me to believe that it would be likely that this would be a bubble site because there is that opportunity to pick up that uh, those kinds of accommodations so a lot of uh, high-profile players out of the OHL who have gone elsewhere to find places to play. Of course, right now, a, a number of guys who otherwise wouldn't be eligible to are playing in the American Hockey League. I'm thinking of a guy like Phil Tomasino, who's having such a great start to his his pro career at a at an age where he wouldn't normally be able to uh, play in the American Hockey League. But a bunch of guys have gone to Europe. Uh, I don't know if you have any players who have uh, gone south to play in the USHL like we have here in the WHL, but... When that started to happen, I thought maybe they know something that the OHL isn't coming back. What, did you have any feel on that? Yeah, that was one of the first thoughts that went through my head as well. And then the other thing I started thinking about, and, and I wondered if it would make the league less likely to put the effort into getting started again because of what you and I already talked about earlier, right? We we thought about the players in all of this and, and what's happening to their development and Etc. Well, if if you've got players that have found places to play elsewhere in North America or overseas, mm-hmm. then do you really have as much motivation to say, okay, well, let's get the the Ontario Hockey League schedule going again? So I, I find that kind of interesting. And the other interesting thing about it is, I think you end up with really creating that class of haves and have-nots, which we we sort of have financially across the Ontario Hockey League. But in this case, now you've got really two classes of players, right? The players that are are good enough at whatever age to find meaningful work somewhere else in the world and the players that can't, and they're just sitting at home trying to go through their, you know, dry land training, hoping to get back onto the ice at some point. So again, I'd come back to with, with the dub now starting with the queue underway and the Memorial cup still not canceled. Last time I checked, you can't have any competition for the championship without all three leagues involved in this. Mm. So it's just I, I look at the calendar and, and keep that in mind. And at this point, I think it's unlikely that anything could start before April in the Ontario Hockey League. So if you're only starting in April, uh, what are you doing to meet a mid to late June 
Memorial Cup? What kind of season can you play? What do, what would a playoff of any kind look like? And I don't have the answers to that. Uh, I'm not sure anybody does for sure. I, I have to think the league's got plenty of scenarios. You just had David Branch on your uh, podcast as well. Which uh, Where can people find that, by the way, before I forget? Yeah, by all means, check out uh, any place you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, etc. It's called OHL Stories, and uh, we're having a blast doing it. Before I let you go, one of those players out of the OHL who's gone overseas is Francesco Pinelli, who I, I love the name. I just want to say it with an Italian accent, Francesco Pinelli. <laughs> but uh, tell me about him, because here's a guy that we need to know for the NHL draft. He might not come back the way he's going over there. I he's see going that. gangbusters right now. But you know, th- this is a kid that came into the Ontario Hockey League. He was a first-rounder of the Kitchener Rangers, and, and he falls into that as you mentioned now, you know, wondering about him for the for the National Hockey League. Here's a guy that would have been turning heads for sure in his draft year and not really getting the chance to do that. Having said that, from what I saw from him as a rookie, he was one of those guys and and they're I they're more rare than you'd think that that come into this league as a first rounder and just automatically show that they get this, right? Like it even even Shane Wright as an example for the exceptional player in Kingston, it took him almost half a season to, um, to, to really, maybe a quarter, but anyway, it, it was a few games where he kind of figured out the Ontario Hockey League. And, and make no mistake, I'm not trying to put Pinelli in the same class, but I'm just pointing out that even for the very best players, it seems to take time to adjust to the game. And, and for Francesco Pinelli, for whatever reason, it's like he stepped into the Ontario Hockey League and said, yep, okay, this is easy. I, I get how this is going to go. And and he started making an immediate impact, much like we often see with rookies kind of tailed off towards the end of the year. But this guy's got a world-class shot. His playmaking ability is top-notch, and, and he's going to make a National Hockey League team very happy. I just wish I could have some views of him this year. Yeah. You know, we'd probably be 55 views into a season to let you know exactly what you, where you're projecting this kid. Well, hopefully we get to see him and uh, some of the other guys who have gone overseas as well. Mason McTavish, uh, another one that comes to mind. Uh, guys that are, are overseas or playing elsewhere right now. Get them back to the OHL if and when the season gets going again, and hopefully that's sooner as opposed to later. Mike, really enjoyed catching up with you. Thanks for doing this. Uh, Stay safe, and hopefully next time you're on, we're talking hockey uh, on the ice. Yeah, it's truly always a pleasure. Call anytime. Mike Farwell, uh, voice of the Kitchener Rangers. Always a great guest. Terrific guy. Met him in person, and uh, I, he's, a, he's a great guy. I don't know anybody who says anything negative about uh, Mike Farwell. Terrific broadcaster. Always love it when he's able to make time to come on the Pipeline Show. Now. If there is no OHL hockey this season, that would really be a shame. I know the situation in Ontario has been, because of the population of the province, it's been a lot harder to get a grasp and a, and a handle on than it has been for much of Canada. But now that we're back in the WHL, all four provinces, as well as uh, the teams in Washington State, I, I have to think there's a way for the OHL to get back as well. And if they're going to do it in bubbles and get the three American teams to move up to Ontario... Whether it's you know for two or three months, and they can find some places to house all these guys, I, I really hope they find a way to make it happen. I kind of feel a little bit bad for some of those 19-year-old uh, guys playing in the American Hockey League, like a Phil Tomasino that I mentioned, and some of the guys who are having success that went overseas. For them to come back, it might actually be a little disappointing for them. But we need to get the OHL up and running, and uh, hopefully that can happen. And, and of course. The player safety and the safety and uh, health of 
everybody around the organization, that has to be paramount. But if they're finding a way to do it in the dub and they, they're doing it still in the queue and in all the other leagues, uh, then it's got to happen in the OHL as well. Hopefully sooner as opposed to later. Mike threw out maybe early April. Uh, you'd have to hear something pretty darn soon to make that work. Uh, but let's hope that is the case. Last segment to go is uh, going to look at the Alberta Junior Hockey League, which, like a number of leagues, started up and then stopped. But after a four-month break, the AJHL is coming back. Uh, we'll uh, begin play next weekend. We'll speak with Brandon Ewan-Cheshen, who is the voice of the Spruce Grove Saints. He will close out this week's show next here on the Pipeline Show. Soretsky, Mitchell, one-time shot, scores! Ian Mitchell, this kid's been red hot here on this road trip. He's got goals in back-to-back games, and he opens the scoring here. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Spruce Grove Saints, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Spruce Grove Saints AJHL Hockey is back for the 2020-2021 season. Due to the ongoing pandemic, the attendance is limited at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. You can follow along across social media at SG Saints and support the Saints by heading to sprucegrovesaints.ca and purchasing your Cash's King tickets today. Over $33,000 in prizes to be given away. Again, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca for more information. The Spruce Grove Saints, proud supporters of the Pipeline Show. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I got a bad feeling about this. Closing out the episode this week with a look ahead to the uh, return of the Alberta Junior Hockey League as things uh, get back going again uh, for the AJHL, not this weekend, but next weekend. And uh, that means my next guest is back to work as well, Brandon Ewan-Cheshin, the voice of the Spruce Grove Saints. Brandon, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm real good. Thanks for having me. A uh, pleasure to get a chance to speak with you again. And uh, at, I'm, I'm really happy that we get to talk about, well, something positive for a change. It seems like there's been so much negative stuff around hockey, obviously, with COVID, uh, the situation. But, hey, a light at the end of the tunnel, you get to get uh, back into the booth and, and call some games. Uh, much feel like it's been a long time coming. Yeah, no kidding. It has been a long time coming. Uh, I feel for my colleagues in the Western League who had pretty much a year off. Lucky for us, we got a handful of games in November. So we got a little bit of time in the booth. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to say that that was one of the uh, non-busiest December and January months of my life. Whether I was playing hockey or working in hockey, I, I've never sat at home and pretty much done nothing ever in my life in those months. Those are usually the months where you're, you're going real hard and ramping up, and when Christmas time comes, you're ready for a break. And in this case, we're just pumped to get back at it next week. And the, the league, the teams, the staff, everybody's excited. It should be lots of fun. Well, what have the uh, what what has the team and the players been doing for the last three months to try to stay ready just in case uh, there is a return? And now that we know there is one, but I mean, have the guys been able to practice or are they working out at all? I, I'm sure they're working out, but are they all doing it as individuals or is there a team aspect to it somehow? Uh, thank goodness for Zoom calls. Yeah, would be the answer for that question. Um, they were doing team workouts all on Zoom calls. They weren't together, but they were virtually together. Um, some guys were lucky enough to have outdoor rinks in their backyard or one maybe down the street that they were able to go to individually. Uh, but as you know, with the restrictions, no team practices, no team workouts. 
Um, so just the Zoom calls and whatever individual ice time the guys could find. But uh, I will credit our coaching staff and management staff that was on the phone with the guys once or twice a week, making sure they were still engaged, letting them know what's happening with the league, what the latest news is. And Lucky for us, the AJHL and the province of Alberta, AHS, everybody involved, did a great job to put a return to play plan together. And we're lucky to get back at it here in just over a week's time. For uh, people who haven't heard all the details about the return, can you break it down for us how long the seasons are going to be? I know you're only playing uh, on the weekends, and I'm not sure if you're uh, – it looks like in March you're only playing against one team multiple times. Uh, Is that going to be an ongoing thing, or is everything still in flux to some degree? Can you break it down for us? So, first off, he announced the return to play, I guess, two Fridays ago now. Um, And within that, players and staff members, 30 people per team, were to already be self-isolating, which was sent out through internal messaging for, I guess, two weeks ago now. And then last week, at the start of the week, there was our first COVID test. We had to sit at home all of last week. This week, we got another COVID test. And once that result was back, which happened to be yesterday, the guys were allowed to hit the ice for the first time. So they practiced late yesterday afternoon. They're on the ice today, and they will be on the ice all the way up until we play next weekend, which is Friday the 12th, like you mentioned, against Fort McMurray eight times. Um, so we happen to be in the North Division, and because Lloyd Minister um, cannot play for Saskatchewan restriction rules, we will play against Fort Mac eight times in our first cohort round because they have to split the division up now into a set of three teams and then two sets of two teams. So lucky for us, we got put in the sets of just one other team. And maybe when this round ends after these eight games, so we're talking second week in April, uh, we'll get put into a different group with maybe the three teams or another team. And then after that round ends, I'm pretty sure the league's hoping to do a third cohort round with another group of teams sometime in May and shut the season down right around May long weekend. I think they're hoping for 20, 24 games, depending how everything goes. But uh, credit them, they've done a great job. And like I said, we're, we're real pumped to get going here. And although we have to play the same team eight times, I don't think we've ever been more excited to go to Fort McMurray to play a hockey game. That doesn't surprise me at all, and I don't blame you. Uh, and I'm, I'm guessing at this point we don't know anything about uh, a potential of, of playoffs, or do we know that there is or isn't for sure? We just don't know the format, or what, has postseason even been discussed yet? Uh, there's There's been ideas floated around behind the scenes, but I think that they're going to make that decision uh, based on how these first two rounds of cohort play go. Yeah. So hopefully by the end of April, early May, we'll have a, a playoff picture if if we have one, or they're just going to finish some sort of regular season and, and call it good. Brandon Ewan Cheshire is the uh, voice of the Spruce Grove Saints, my guest here on the Pipeline Show to close out this week's episode. Uh, I know uh, back in November, and the last time we saw any AJHL games happen was the weekend of, uh, of November 14th. At that point, there was a sprinkling of WHL uh, content in the AJHL. That won't be the case now. Any other changes to the rosters? I, I mean, some guys have left uh, to go uh, play in other leagues if they could, uh, not specifically from the AJHL, but from other leagues. Has that affected the, the Saints at all? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the WHL scenario. Um, we went from a team that was full of Western League logos on our lineup card to a team that has no Western League logos now on our lineup card come next week. Uh, the GM, Rob Sparuk, and head coach, 
even have added 10 players um, ahead of next week's return to play. Uh, we got a few defensemen, a new goaltender, and a handful of forwards. All the details are on the Saints website. Uh, five new kids from, from the AHL Major Triple League uh, announced this morning as well. So it's it's almost a brand new hockey team going into uh, next weekend, just, just like you said, because we were so um, engaged with the Western Hockey League and all their players were, were down at this level. Now that they're back, we obviously had to fill those roster spots. And it works out good because... You know, you take a midget kid, for example, a, a U18 kid. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't get to play the rest of this season in his own league, but now he has the chance to come up to Junior A and play some games here, whereas normally he would just be signed for next season. So you could look at it as a extended tryout, I guess, but it's good for some young guys to come up and get some exposure at the Junior A level rather than waiting until next September. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, everything shakes out here uh, next weekend with with basically a brand new roster. I mean, ten players is quite a few players. Are they? Uh, is the league uh, the standings from back in November? I mean, teams played four games uh, for the most part uh, in the South Division, even fewer. But do they keep those st- the, the the standings, or do they just hit a reset and start over now? No, nope, no, all those standings are going to stay stay exactly the same. Uh, lucky enough for us, uh, I believe we're we're still tied for second. In, in the AJHL, so we'll uh, we'll take that in stride and and hopefully uh, keep it rolling. But uh, yeah, they're going to keep uh, those four or five games or however many teams played still still on the books for this season. It's funny you got Fort McMurray and the Saints; uh, they're undefeated in four games. You're three and one, so you got the top two teams uh, going head to head for the next solid month here every weekend. That that actually on the just looking at the based on the standings could be pretty exciting hockey. Yeah, I'm pumped. It should be uh, it should be a lot of fun to watch. And like you said, I think Fort Mac has overhauled their roster quite a bit too, with the amount of Western League players that were in that uh, organization that have now gone back to their respective clubs. So they're looking at a bit of a new lineup there too. Um, I'd say the first two games you could maybe treat as preseason, like the NHL kind of looked. Everybody's still getting their bearings, feeling themselves out, learning the systems. And then the last six games or so should be a a pretty much all-out war and sprint, and maybe come game seven or eight of the series, it could uh, could be more like playoffs with with these two teams hating each other after playing six times straight. Now, Brandon, the last I've heard, no fans uh, to this point. Maybe that changes. We'll we'll see. But to start with, no fans, correct? Yeah, correct. And like you said, hopefully we see a change in that sometime in the next couple months. But that is it's not up to us. It's up to the government and, and what they do. But to start things off, absolutely no fans in the buildings. Uh, from a broadcast perspective, how does this uh, affect, affect you? Do you? Are you still going to be able to travel with the team up to Fort Mac and, and all of those things? Are you calling a game from a monitor back in the studio or what? No, uh, lucky for me, I am in the Spruce Grove Saints cohort or bubble or whatever word you want to use. I'm part of the 30 along with the 24 players, coaching staff and training staff. So, I am allowed to go on the bus and broadcast games on location like I normally would be. Uh, so I'm grateful for that. And uh, at home, it'll stay pretty much the same. It's just you're not going to have the atmosphere of, of crowd noise in there. We're, we're exploring the options of maybe piping in some crowd noise and whatnot. But from a broadcast perspective, it, it should stay pretty much the same. Uh, I, I wonder, in a normal season, do you speak much with your counterparts in the BCHL or the SJHL? I don't know if you know play-by-play guys or or, or uh, other team uh, personnel in the other leagues, but they're not starting. Uh, they're not coming back here right away. 
Do you do you touch base with those guys at all? Yeah, yeah, for sure we do. I'm, I do as well. I mean, there's there's a bunch of group chats, as you know, nowadays, whatever platform you're on that you're attached to and gather information and, and talk to other guys across other leagues, including the Western Hockey League. And I was uh, I was really surprised how long it took the, the Western League to grant approval uh, or get approval to play in B.C., and I, I feel the same for, for BCHL teams and SJHL teams where, I mean, you can argue the case count, you can get to, into the science and political side of things, but if, if one league is allowed to go and they made it work, in my mind, the other league should, should find a way to make it work too. And although it's not just the league that's making the choices, it's the governments and a lot more players involved than normally would be, but I, I feel for them. I feel bad because... You know, it takes away the excitement of the game. Uh, it's it's tough on the players and their development. It's tough on any sponsors or partners or people that are attached to these community organizations. So, uh, I feel I feel for them. And you know, the season's not quite over yet. There should be ice in these communities for another two, maybe three months. So maybe they can try get something together to play a quick ten games or or something. But like I said, it's. It's tough to see. It's tough to watch, and you wish nothing but the best for those guys. But it's it's just the unfortunate situation we're in. Can't control what's going on. Yeah, and uh, the pol- the political side of things gets uh, tricky as well. I know in Saskatchewan, the uh, the government uh, gave the WHL and SGA, uh, SJHL teams a bunch of money to help support them, and BC's asking for the same thing. The BCHL and the, and the five teams in the dub there. In Alberta, that's not the case, but there's this new 50-50 lottery that um, I, I, I like this idea a lot because it's more of an opt-in thing rather than the government just handing out money. It's kind of almost like a user thing. If you have an interest in helping out the junior teams in, in, the, in the province, here's a way to do it. Uh, how does this 50-50 work, and, and uh, how beneficial will it be to a team like Spruce Grove and, and the other clubs in the AJ? Uh, huge. It's, it's absolutely huge. And like you said, we're very lucky to be a part of it, uh, partnered in fact, with the Western League and the government of Alberta. So it's it's going to be a draw every weekend in the month of March, starting tomorrow morning. The draw will run from Friday morning at 9 a.m. till Sunday night at 9 p.m. Um, it's actually run through the Edmonton Oilers 50-50 system and the Oil Kings 50-50 system. So it's, it's a partnership between the 15 Alberta Junior Hockey League teams and then the five Alberta-based Western Hockey League teams. So if you if you buy a ticket for this, you are supporting all of junior hockey across the province, all 20 teams. Um, like I said, it's 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 a great initiative for the three I guess organizations to partner on, and because of the lost revenues and ticket sales and sponsorships and whatever else, it's going to be very beneficial for for all 20 teams to hopefully get a good kickback from this, and it's uh, it'll be vital for some teams' survival into next season. Well, and if there's one thing we've learned watching Oiler broadcasts or uh, the the World Junior Championship, this province loves its 50-50s. That they do, and we're very fortunate to have uh, the support of the Oilers and the Flames and Hockey Canada on this. So uh, hopefully we see some big jackpots. Um, I'm not going to throw any numbers out there, but I mean, uh, hopefully, like you said, it, it follows suit with what we've seen in the past. Absolutely. Brandon, I really appreciate your time. Excited for you for, to get back in the booth and, and uh, start calling some games again. Awfully excited for all the players and uh, the coaches and everybody involved at the AJHL level. Should be fun. You betcha. Appreciate it, and we'll chat soon. Okay, that's Brandon Ewan Sheshin from the uh, Spruce Grove Saints. And uh, first off, 
obviously, I'm the dough head who uh, had the wrong mic setting uh, for my microphone, which I, I'm very embarrassed about, and I apologize. Uh, I can tell you exactly what happened, but just suffice to say, instead of my studio mic, it was picking up the microphone uh, on my webcam. So I apologize for that. Uh, thankfully, you could still hear what I'm saying, although I know it sounds like I was in a cave. Uh, but the information from Brandon and uh, obviously the guest is more important anyway. He sounded great. And the last thing I want to do is call a guy back and say, hey, can we do that again? I guess I could theoretically revoice all of my questions, but I will try very hard to uh, not let that happen ever again. Uh, the Spruce Grove Saints and the rest of the AJHL get back on the ice here this weekend to start practicing. All week they'll practice and then they uh, start playing games again a week from today. Brandon was my final guest, which means it's a cleanup time. And uh, that brings me to remind you of my Hello Tushy bidet. If you are still uh, like a Neanderthal and uh, wiping your butt instead of washing it, uh, maybe figure it out. Here's the website, hellotushy.com slash pipeline. And the reason we add the pipeline on the end is so that you get the 10% discount for going to the website because I referred you. Right now, the bidets are on sale. Uh, it's an American company, so the prices on the website are in American dollars. So the one that is regularly 150 bucks, it's on sale for like 120 And then you get an extra 10% off just because you went through the hellotushy.com slash pipeline, that link, and uh, you get an extra 10% off. So why wouldn't you? Honestly, if you haven't tried a bidet yet, I highly, highly recommend it. You'll never go back to just using toilet paper, I I promise you. Just think of it this way. You got mud on your hand, do you just use a towel to uh, clean it off, or do you run your hand under some water? Same difference, different area of your body, and it's not mud that we're talking about. Thanks to all the guests that you heard from on the uh, program this week. Of course, we started with Cole Sillinger and Carson Lambos, then uh, Mike Farwell of the Kitchener Rangers, and ending it off with another broadcaster, Brandon, you and Sheshin from the Spruce Grove Saints. Uh, next week on the show, the um, WHL's East Division will be getting a lot closer to starting, as will the AJHL. Uh, college hockey will be uh, getting ready for the uh, playoffs, so there's going to be lots to talk about. We'll keep uh, our eye on the 2021 NHL draft as well. Till then, I know the vaccines are getting rolled out, and uh, maybe you maybe you know people who have had the vaccine. Maybe you've had the vaccine yourself. The light is at the end of the tunnel. We can see it. We don't know how long that tunnel is until we're through it all and we can get absolutely back to normal. Uh, Stay vigilant. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your family. Take care of your neighbor and treat each other with kindness. We're not out of the woods yet, but we can see the light through the trees. Until next week, my name is Keith Flaming. See ya. See ya.